Are you ready for the most ridiculous internet sports show you have ever seen? Welcome to React, home of the most outrageous and hilarious videos the web has to offer. So join me, Rocky Theus, and my co-host, Raiders Pro Bowl defensive end, Max Crosby, as we invite your favorite athletes, celebrities, influencers, entertainers in for an episode of games, laughs, and of course, the funniest reactions to the wildest web clips out there. Catch Reacts on YouTube, and that is Reacts, R-E-A-X-X. Don't miss it. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to episode 200 of the Hockey PDO Cast. With Dmitry Filipovich and special guest Nick Mercadante. Hockey PDO cast. My name is Dmitry Filipovich, and joining me is my good buddy Nick Mercadante. Nick, it's been a while. What's going on, man? It has been. Yeah, we're already into the season here, so uh, I think we're behind schedule for for goalie chatter. Yes, we are. It's due. It's well due. And and the reason why we have you on, amongst other things, is we're going to do our. Uh, we started this last year, so it kind of feels weird calling it an annual thing because it's only happened once before, but hopefully we'll be able to do it for many years to come, and it's going to be our uh, our top 10 goalie rankings. Yeah, I think if we do it a second time here, then it becomes then a annual. tradition. Yes. Yeah, it's an annual tradition unlike any other. Uh, before we get into the show, though, I... I I don't know if you knew this, but this is a this is the 200th episode of the PDO cast. I don't know how many of them you've been on, but I feel like um, you're right up there with like Chris Johnson and Jonathan Willis in terms of the probably the most commonly recurring guests on the wow. show. Wow! Yeah, I'm honored. That's great. Congratulations. Thanks, buddy. I mean, I obviously couldn't do it without uh, people like yourself who've taken the time to come on the show and everyone that's listened. So I just wanted to uh, to get that out there. Um, it's a it's a pretty nice little milestone. Hopefully, we have a uh, at least two hundred more here down the road. Um, so let's 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 start with this with this goalie ranking talk. And I think before we get into the actual um, numbers themselves and who we have, where maybe we should do a little bit of sort of kind of big picture methodology discussion in terms of sort of what we're looking for, you know, what we value more than other things, and sort of how we put together our rankings before anything else. 
Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So what, what, so what, what, what goes into it for you? Like when you were sitting down and I told you, okay, we're going to do these top 10 rankings. I'm sure you had in your head an idea of what it would look like and which guys you like more than others. But then when you actually started thinking about it a little bit, like what, what are the first things that come to your mind? Well, so I do, um, I do a little bit of kind of hard math analysis and, and you had told me a couple of weeks ago that we were going to, we were going to do this and I, I was kind of preparing ahead of time and, and ran some of my own numbers that, that I've kept in the background and shared with a couple agents and, and folks like that. But, um, basically I, I, I try to look at statistical evidence from the past three seasons. I, I don't really go back further than that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I put a, a bigger weight on the, the last season's performance. I try to isolate for five on five to the extent possible. But I do, you know, I look at everything and do give consideration to somebody who's just like maybe a historically a really bad performer on the PK mm-hmm. um, or a really great performer. And I, I, I do give consideration to that because it is such a valuable, um, you know, part of performance for any team. I mean, especially a team that struggles, uh, you know, with the, maybe their discipline um, to, to, to have one or the other uh, is, is going to matter. So. So I look at that, I, I, I weight the most recent season, um, the heaviest, and then I, I create a predictive model. And it's something that I presented, oh gosh, two or three years ago now at the RIT Hockey Conference, which is actually coming up here. And um, uh, basically, it's a, it's a, it takes Bayesian uh, mathematics to try to get to a, a predictive Marcel measure of what a goalie's performance will be. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into explanations of what those things are, but all I'm going to say... They don't make is, for great podcasting material? No, 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 no. All, I, all, I, all I'll say is that I, I take as many shots as the goalie has, and then I predict out based on what their performance is over those shots. Right. And, with a, with a, and then I uh, apply basically a degree of certainty so if somebody has fewer shots i'm less certain if somebody has more shots i'm more certain of what their performance might look like um so i take all that i apply some of my metrics which we've talked about in the past mercad um and then also uh, win threshold and loss threshold and then also some of the stuff off corsica um uh so expected goals right and uh and then i i i kind of slap it all together and come up with a ranking and then i and then I do what a lot of people do, which is I do an eye test. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I say, does this make sense um, to me? And, you know, that's, of course, all relative, and that's not always the best way to do things. But I do think that, um, you know, I've, I've looked, in, looked at goalies and studied them enough to kind of know when something looks totally crazy. And, um, and then I, and I try to give some consideration for, you know, other variables. What, what are, what's the age? You know, what's the maybe the tandem situation? Is this guy under pressure to to perform in a contract and all those kind of things? And I apply some subjective weight to that. And and that's where I came out with my uh, my top 10 for better or worse. Yeah, I like it. Um, Let's just get into it then. And then we'll uh, we'll see where we disagree, where we agree and uh, what the notable names are. I mean, I definitely agree with you in um, like when I was putting this together, I was mostly looking at performance over the past three years so dating back to 2014 um and you know there's certain guys like 
there's a Scott Darling, for example, um, where I think there's it's possible that he could be in the discussion for this and sure. his numbers certainly have warranted, um, you know, praising him for it so far. But this is also, you know, the first year that he's really going to be uh, the number one where he's going to have to sort of clear that hurdle that Cam Talbot cleared uh, over the past two years where, you know, you're doing really well in a small sample in the perfect situation, but then all of a sudden, can you actually do it when you're being relied upon to start 50, 60 games? So it's going to be fascinating to see. This is kind of a, not a make or break a year for him, but if he really can keep up some, um, you know, some level of play that he has so far, then all of a sudden he's going to shoot up these rankings. And then, you know, there's, there's young guys like, I think Andre Andre Vasilevsky is a top ten goalie talent in the league, um, but similarly, the sample is so small still to date that I feel uncomfortable putting him among some of these other names. Sure, yeah, and he, and he really struggled last year when he had more right. a little bit more um, leash and playing time. So yeah, and, you know, and so that's kind of the subjective stuff that I was talking about. Um, you can't ignore that, and I think you know. I'm I come from kind of the analytics mindset. I, I, you do as well, mm-hmm. um, but we have to be reasonable here. We just don't know enough about goalies to rely strictly on the numbers, and we don't have enough predictive measures. Even you know some of the stuff that I was babbling about before, slapping together to create a predictive model. You know the level of predictivity is is very low, yeah. to to be honest. So um, we don't know enough, and I think. I think we have to, because of that, we have to consider as we have to use as many tools as we have to, you know, to rank these guys. And you know, look, it, it becomes even more difficult because what we do know is that the window for goaltending performance is is very small, and it can close very fast, usually based on age or or just wear and tear and injuries. And and on top of it, you know, there's only one goalie in the net, and any more over the past few years. There's a lot of musical chairs. There's a lot of goal. You know, Elliot goes to Philly. Mason goes to the to the Jets. Smith goes to uh, Calgary. Yeah. Ranta goes. To, I mean, the, you know, you could go across half the league, and they have new goalies. Right. Um, in new situations with maybe new mindsets or new coaches. You know, Darling goes from being a backup who got relied upon when Crawford was injured and really performing well to now he's the guy. And, you know, I, I've said this before on a couple other podcasts. I may have even said it on yours. They've got him in a great situation. They, they put him with Mike Bells, um, who he's had experience with before coming up. Um, and I think that that will give him some comfort. Those are all subjective things. You, you point to that and you say, hey, you know, this could be set up for this guy to be successful. But we kind of just don't know for right. sure. Yes, we kind of need to see it before we can believe it really, right? Right, right. Um, okay, Let's let's do the honorable mentions first. Who are there a couple guys that you wanted to put into your top ten that we haven't mentioned yet that you ultimately didn't, or guys that you know just missed the cut but are sort of in that like eleven to fifteen range? If you were if you were extending sure. it, yeah, yeah. I, I've got, there's a whole kind of glut of guys you could call they call it even the eleven to twenty range where they're almost interchangeable in terms of year over year performance. Um, some of them actually they appear in the top 10 in terms of performance one year, and then they slide all the way down to, you know, 25th. Right. Um, you know, so I, I, I would throw, and I wouldn't, I, this isn't throwing him at 10 or 11 right now. Trust me. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not that in love with Steve Mason. <laughs> I'm, I'm reasonable and rational, but Steve Mason's a great example. So he had, 
really three, caught four great seasons um, with Philadelphia, where he's kind of an analytics darling. Um, and he performed really, really well under tough circumstances. Last year, he started to slide. A lot of people, myself included, pointed at the situation that he was getting jerked around. He wasn't getting routine playing time, but he had he had an up and down season, and he started off very, very bad this year. So, you know, a guy like that, you could throw him in the the eleven to twenty range and say, okay, maybe this guy will figure it out and he'll, you know, start heading back towards the top ten, or maybe he won't and he'll fall to the bottom of the league um and and right now that's certainly where he's sitting um so i have a question about steve mason uh because he's a good example for this so you know you and i um when we evaluate goalies we typically tend to prioritize five on five save percentages you mentioned as opposed to overall because they're you know there tends to be a lot of noise in the um in the power in the penalty kill data excuse me it's team effects. Yes. You know, it's, you could see it across starters and backups that, you know, goalies tend to perform starters and backups tend to perform similarly on the PK for, for teams. So right. that just shows the variable. So I think the, you know, the question for a guy like Mason was for years there in Philly, um, his five on five data was tremendous. He was constantly, you know, surprisingly um, up near the top of the rankings alongside guys like Carey Price. And I think people would have been surprised by that because his overall save percentage was dragged down by uh, really poor numbers whenever the fires were on the penalty kill. And so I, I, I wonder, like, is there beyond those team effects? Are there certain, uh, you know, goalie types or uh, techniques that would lend themselves to being better at killing penalties than so and so they'd be like kind of more more so five on five specialist goalies or is it purely just a team effects thing yeah i mean look if if any you know goalie coaches or people that that work with goalies or follow goalies or write about them are listening they would kill me if i didn't say that there's not there's there's many different ways to skin the you know the pk i mean it's not it's not like one prototype fits for success on the PK, not by any means. I think a lot has to do with how your team sets up in front of you and, you know, do they watch the back? Are you a goalie, let's say, who is aggressive on the first shot and your team's watching the back door? Well, then you might have some success on the PK because they're not getting to that back door shot and they're they're focusing on maybe uh, point-to-point passing and trying to get a guy in the slot for a one-timer and the aggressive goalie gets across and, and eats it up. Right. Um, so that would be one way to do it. And I don't think that that, but that prototype might not work if your team is asleep at the switch on the back door, or they're allowing plays to develop from down low, um, you know, where the goalie is kind of strapped to his post. And then he has to, he, he, when he's stepping out, he's not getting to his comfort zone in terms of his depth. Right. Um, so the same goalie could get crushed. Um, you know, when another team is involved, but I think, you know, looking at Steve, a guy like Steve Mason. So Mason is not the fastest goalie side to side and where he gets chewed up a lot on the PK is on those, um, you know, kind of offside post, maybe 10 feet out, a guy, um, ready to snap a, a, a one timer. He just, he's just not going to get those right. um, unless it hits him. And, and that's a blocking save. That's you. And usually you, you notice like when he makes those saves, he he's looking for the puck and he's kind of scrambling around. And that's because he's just making a blocking save. He's just not good at those in terms of his movement, in terms of tracking. 
um, for whatever reason. And the same goes in five on five. He struggles with it in five on five. And you've seen early in the season with the Jets, they're letting a ton happen around the back door and around the front of the net. And they're just dragging Mason out of position. And then he can't recover. And you see him kind of like flailing as somebody wraps it around him. I think like, you know, Felino had one of those where he just walked around him until Mason fell down. And, and that was the end of it. So, you know, that's a, that's a very, like, that's an important skill for a penalty kill is to be able to move side to side and track those and try to get square to the one timer before it's released, which is hard to do. You got to be fast. Mm. Yeah. I mean, you know, this is true of, uh, of every position in hockey, like for, you know, for skaters, it's, the taller, lankier guys sometimes get knocked for looking like they're not, you know, trying hard enough, but actually they are. Just the way they move makes you mm-hmm. kind of think that, right? And it's an unfair way to evaluate them. And I, I feel like with goalies, definitely, we're also uh, sometimes, you know, you can have personal biases because a guy just might not look pretty stopping the puck, but ultimately, I mean, doesn't really matter. Like I always, I wonder with, you know, a guy like Mike Smith. Um, and he's having a great start so far in Calgary and has been one of the big reasons why they've stayed afloat, even though they've been really bad defensively so far. And, you know, with a guy like him for years, there's been this massive divide between how people talk about him. Like it was fascinating this summer listening to uh, certain analysts just go on and on about how he was like going to be the final piece that Calgary was looking for in net. And mm-hmm. I understand that there was, uh, you know, a certain, uh, team component you had to factor into what he was going through in Arizona and sort of the you know the shot volume and the shot quality that they were giving up in front of him but at the same time like there wasn't I just I I just always found that a bit confusing because there wasn't necessarily anything in the numbers that led me to believe that he was this goalie that he was hyped up to be but you know then you watch him and he's just you know he's a big imposing presence and he plays the puck Mm -hmm. well and sometimes you catch him on the right night like he's as good as anyone at at seemingly at having that like remarkable 40 45 save shutout Mm -hmm. where he stands on his head and I feel like that sort of people overreact to that a little bit too much yeah 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 that's I think that's exactly it there was a comfort level I think before before they signed Smith I think Brad Treliving had a comfort level there because he had experience with him when he was an assist he was an assistant GM right yes I think under Maloney for mm-hmm. Phoenix and um and I think that that was right around the time where Smith was coming up and um so you know, there was some comfort level there. He he thinks highly of him, thinks highly of his work ethic. He kind of came out and said all those sorts of, you know, flowery things about him. Um, Mike Smith is, I, I wouldn't say he's a bad goalie. Um, I would say that he is kind of a confounding goalie because he's very up and down. And so it makes it hard. He could, you know, as hot as he's been, he could go on a cold streak very fast. He's also relatively injury prone. Right. So, you know, you have to take the, that good with the bad. I mean, if you think you're going to get a goalie in Mike Smith that you're going to ride out for 65 games and he's going to put up the type of performance that he put up, you know, during, I think it was the lockout year where he was phenomenal. I forget what it was. It was the year before, year I think, 2011, year before, 2012. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you're probably, you know, you're, you're probably making a bad bet. But, you know, could you get a guy who plays, I don't know, call it 50 games, um, and in those 50 games, he gets he goes on a hot run and he gives you, you know, 20 games that are just out of this world. Yeah, he's totally capable of that. He's done that in spurts 
um, throughout his career. He did it, um, actually did it for a little bit last year. He did it uh, even more so at the end of the of the season prior, the 2015-16 uh, season. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. he was really hot to finish the year. So, yes, he could give you that. And I, I've talked about this before. I think we both have. Like, Do you want the goalie who can get hot at the right time and carry your team? you know, maybe into the playoffs or beyond. Yeah, that's that's a great thing to have when they're hot. But boy, when they're not, it, it, it could sink your season. Um, so that's that's kind of, that's Mike Smith in, in a nutshell, you know. Yes. Well, yeah, I mean, that 2011-2012 season he had was just absolutely insane. I feel like there should, there's going to be like an ESPN 30 for 30 documentary on that at some point. But <laughs> I, I, yeah, that is an interesting, uh, from a team building philosophy perspective, like I think I imagine that, if you were really confident in the skaters that you had and you felt like you had a really deep, just, you know, loaded, talented team, maybe you'd want a guy who's steadier and might not necessarily have that um, higher ceiling, but just, you know, that Uh you can sort of rely on him and he's not going to necessarily cost you a lot of games. Whereas maybe if you're more of a middle of the pack team and you need something magical to happen to really put you over the hump beyond just a bunch of injuries to the teams ahead of you, then all of a sudden maybe a guy like a goalie like that might be a bit more intriguing because you can, you have enough talent in front of him. But then if you envision, okay, he has this amazing 20 game sprint, which is what the playoffs really ultimately are. Then all of a sudden you could be kind of cooking there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so I was surprised that they went and, and got Eddie lack because you know, for and maybe it's just that they don't identify Smith the way I do. But if you have a goalie like that who's very high ceiling, low floor, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, right? Um, you want a backup that you can plug and play where you kind of know what you're going to get. And Eddie Lack is not that, um, at least not for the past few seasons, not since he kind of got screwed up over his time in, in Carolina. Um, so unless they were very confident that they could figure out Eddie Lack's problems, which, you know, it's mostly that he's off balance and became too aggressive in Carolina. Uh, if they figured that out and they think they can fix it, well then great. You know, maybe they have a decent backup, but I think for a goalie like Mike Smith, you really need a pretty solid, uh, experienced backup that you can plug in there because he's going to miss games. And if he's not going to miss games, he's going to go cold for, you know, a 10 or 15 game clip. And um, you've got to be able to identify that first and say, okay, time to, you know, have a short leash on Smith. And then secondly, you've got to have somebody that you can, that you can plug in behind him because otherwise, um, you know, you're going to run out of options fast and suddenly it's going to be, you know, the goaltending is sinking the flames, um, which, um, you know, would be unfortunate, I think, given um, the trajectory of their team right now, more or less, although their defense is kind of. Yeah, yeah. It's just most miss yeah. kind of shown the uh, the great part of it, but I'm sure that you know, as good as he's been in these first six games, there's probably a, a six game stretch coming where it's going to be the polar opposite of that. But I guess you could say that for a, almost every goalie in the league. So, yep. um, yeah. Okay. So in terms of my honorable mentions, I had a like a couple guys that I really deliberated long and hard over and wanted to put in there, but ultimately didn't. And, and I think the guy that I wanted to put in there the most that I didn't was John Gibson. Interesting. All right. Um, did you have him in your top 10? I do. Yeah. Um, man, the, 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 the bottom three there for, uh, you know, nine, 10, and then the honorable mentions were so tight for me. And Gibson's been amazing 
so far. And if you look at his cumulative package in the NHL, the problem is he still hasn't had that season where they've really just relied on him to do everything for them, have they? Yeah. Like it's you know obviously no, he was yeah. splitting time with Fred, Freddie Anderson, but even last year uh, there was a lot of Jonathan Bernier thrown in there, and he's he struggled with injuries a little bit, and for whatever reason, um, I guess he's still super young, right? Like he has a, a full career ahead of him, but the Ducks have treated him like a bit with kid gloves, where they haven't just completely unleashed him. So that's the only knock you can really find on him, and that's ultimately why I like the, my top ten. They're all going to be sort of those workhorse number ones that can play a lot. I know sometimes that can get overrated a little bit, but I do think that there is a certain skill involved in being able to actually keep up with, with the, the marathon that is the NHL season and not have your performance just completely deteriorate. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think it's reasonable to have him just on the outside. Um, I think you're right. He, you know, he hasn't, um, he probably hasn't put it all together for a full season, but he's right there, and his. You, if you want to talk about a high ceiling, I don't know if there's a higher ceiling in the NHL than than Gibson's. In, in at least in terms of guys that are now starters, um, you know, there are some other. Obviously, there are some other prospects and, and backups that that have very high ceilings, and they're gonna their their day is gonna come. But um, I think Gibson's time is is now. Yes, um, it has to be now, and if. If it's not, then I'll be wrong. <laughs> but if if it is, then I think, you know, I, so not to jump ahead, but I, I had him ranked um, eighth hmm. in, in my top ten. And, and I think that if he does what he's capable of, he could be a top five goalie. Um, but I, I didn't, yeah, obviously I don't think it's, uh, you know, ranking him next year as a top five goalie after great performance this year would be more reasonable. Yeah. So. yeah. So I stuck him at eighth. I mean, yeah, he did. Um, he he just turned twenty four, so he's still super young. And and he did start fifty two games during the regular season last year, which is slightly higher than I remembered it being. So you know, he's definitely on the trajectory there, and he's already started. I think all six of their games this year, or maybe six of their first seven. So it seems like, uh, you know, Ryan Miller's out right now, and their Rito Bear is their backup. So it seems like they're probably gonna. This is gonna be the year they really just fully hand over the keys to him in that. Yeah, yeah, I think so, and uh, yeah. Um, so I'd like to hear some of your other guys that are right on the cusp, and, and I'll trade mine. Okay, um, I had Robin Leonard here. Um, Interesting. He was he was. I don't know if he was. If sneaky is the right word. I, I feel like I don't know how people thought about his performance last year, but he was pretty good for a team that didn't really have much else going for it. And, and once again, this year looks like it's uh, not going anywhere anytime soon. Um, yeah. But. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I couldn't really. I don't have Leonard that high. Yeah, that's I, fair. I'm not. I'm not, I'm not super high fan. on him. I mean, he was on this list for me, and I like him, yeah. and I thought he was good last year. But I like Gibson. Gibson, I thought was was much higher, even though they're yeah. sort of in the same honorable mentions here. Okay, fair enough. Uh, John Quick, your boy. <laughs> John Quick, I have I have him in that eleven to fifteen range. Yes. Tukarask, who I was looking back last year at our, because um, we, as as I mentioned, we did this last year, and you can go back and people can go back and listen to it and see uh, what we talked about, and maybe if we were horribly wrong in some instances, but we did have, a, I remember, a very spirited Tukarask debate about being in the top 10. Yeah, yeah. And I, I feel uh, like you were down on him, and I guess you were proven a bit right. I mean, he was decent last year. He wasn't necessarily bad by any means, but I, yeah. I, I don't think he was top 10. No, I think he's just kind of in the twilight of his career here. And, and again, the goalie window is small. People were kind of surprised that 
um, you know, he took such a dip, but he had four, you know, really five really good seasons, which is longer than most goalies um, have. And then he started to decline a little bit and then a little more, and then he kind of fell off a cliff for a bit and then really was pinned down to injuries. Um, you know, last year he was okay um, and serviceable, and that's how I'd treat him this year is he's probably a, about an NHL average goalie. So I put him more in my 15 to 20 range, really. Um, I, I, I'll put it this way. If Tuka Rass was my starting goalie every night, I wouldn't be, like, hitting the panic button. Um, but I'd be uh, mining the, you know, the the prospect pool and, and trying to get that next guy ready. Mm. Yeah. Um, Martin Jones, um, Jake Allen. I had both those guys here. Yeah, Jake Allen is in the in the mix for me. I've dropped Martin Jones quite a bit. Yeah. Um, I actually think I don't even think he should be a, a starting goalie anymore. <laughs> I, I'm just not a Martin Jones fan. Um, He's another guy, you know, kind of like Smith. He's all over the place in terms of his performance. And it's kind of, I, I would be, you know, as a coach, he's more infuriating because it seems like it's game to game. And um, and that's really tough, yeah. um, you know, for a, for a starter. Um, yeah. Jake Allen, so though, I, I think Jake Allen's more interesting to talk about here because, I mean, if you if you split his season last year into two, um, yeah. Speaking of that, that high low, it's like I mean, two different guys. It was amazing um, hearing sort of the hindsight explanations for why that was happening. It's always one of those things where no one is ever saying like, "Oh, just watch this guy's made these adjustments; he's about to blow up." It's sure. always three weeks after he's had four sure. four shutouts yeah. in six games, where it's like, "Ah, well, it's because of all this work he was it doing was with a, the goalie yeah. coach." It's like, <laughs> yeah. oh. Thanks for telling me that. Yeah, I, look, I've never been. Uh, I think for people that follow me and what I talk about, I've never been a huge fan of Jake Allen. I, I, he frustrates me often um, because he just seems like he's aggressive at all the wrong times, and sometimes he just gets he he loses the puck, and I, I don't know how to describe it in a way that maybe anybody but you know people that watch the Blues religiously would understand. But pucks will get in and around the the kind of the net front and crease area and he's just like he'll just like plop down and sit there and be looking around for it and i'm like would you just cover the damn puck it's right there just cover the puck and uh and he won't do it (laughs) and i don't know how to describe but like as a defenseman i I would feel like that would just be a nightmare um because you can kind of just play plinko in front of the net and and hope that it bounces funny and ends up and he saves himself because he's very athletic but um he he infuriates me. So he's one of those guys like begrudgingly. I know he's not a bad goalie, and I I, I think it would be fair to rate him in the top fifteen right now. Right. Um, but you know, at the same time, I, I'm like, oh gosh. What about uh, what about Ben Bishop? Uh, ben Bishop, I have outside because I just think he's just too much of an injury risk. Yeah. And I I think he's just on the other side of it. Um, look, he's, you know. Mike Babcock's favorite type of goalie, right? Giant goalie who takes up all the net. Mm. Um, he's that type of goalie. And uh, so he's certainly capable of having good enough performances. Um, well, but, uh, here's a good thing for Dallas Stars and their fans. Um, whenever you say that you're worried about a guy's injury risks and he's on the wrong side of it, uh, that's definitely a guy you want to be in the first year of a six-year contract. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. 
in, in, in the you know the what I hear from a lot of Dallas fans is well he's not Niami and he's not Letnin. And I'm like yeah but you're an injury away from Letnin time and uh, and you've got a long road ahead of you with that that big aging frame um, you know to get through it all so yeah so I mean we'll see. there's a uh, that's a pretty low bar to, to clear he's not Niami <laughs> or Letnin. there's uh there's like 20 goalies in the AHL that you could say that about um, yeah. Uh, there's a few beer league goalies, too, I think. Yeah, I, Nick Mercadante, even. Uh, I'll call him that. Easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Nick, yeah, let's, uh, before so, we get into our top 10, or were you, you going to say something? I just want to throw out the, the, the two names that I had that you didn't mention that are in my 11 to 15. Yep. Were, um, I had Darling in there. Yep. Um, and I, had, I actually had Howard kind of at the end of that. Um, he is a guy who has made very noticeable adjustments to his game, and he's found health, and he's been really, really good. He was really good last year, and he's been decent so far this year, pretty good this year. So um, I, I actually think that that's going to continue. I think the window is short, but um, hmm. I think he deserves you know some recognition for that. Yeah. Well, he did just uh, right before we started recording this. The the Maple Leafs kind of bombed him a little bit, but oh, I guess they, they, oh, okay, they do great. that. They do Perfect. that to everyone. So it's don't worry this, about it. This is what happens when I talk about goalies. Okay, uh, okay, Nick. Before we get into the top ten, um, do you want to do a little live read here with me? I always generally, I always generally record these and then put them in myself. Um, but I fi- I figured you'd be the best person to do this with because uh, you're. I feel like you're a bit of a facial hair connoisseur yourself, and you seem to be into the men's grooming component of things. I, I am. I do have a beard. Uh, actually, a lot of people think that I'm I'm actually Dave Babbage and I have that wonderful mustache, but I'm not. I just have a big, full, bushy beard. Yes. Um, well, no, I wouldn't say it's 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 bushy. I mean, it's listen, groomed. It's it is. Groomed. It is. I was going to say. I mean, I've had the pleasure of hanging out with you in person on a number of occasions so far, and in those times, I've seen I've seen you with a few different looks. I've seen the beard. I've seen the goatee. Um, yeah. But. Regardless of of what style you've been rocking, it's uh, I can tell you've been putting in the time and effort to make sure it's uh, it's well kept. I, I do care about uh, about my my grooming. So here's the thing: um, as I don't know if people know this, but I made a big change this summer. I uh, I finally got rid of the beard. It was I had it for about I say a solid three years. Um, I saw you on Instagram. Yes, and I was like, ah, yeah, Aww. yeah, I had to. You know what? Um, <laughs> It was time. It was, uh, we shared good memories, me and that beard. Uh, it was one of the longest relationships I've ever been able to maintain, and um, I'm going to miss it. Well, I, I, think, I think we'll get back together down the road, so I'm not too worried about it. Um, but, so the reason why we're talking about facial hair right now is because um, Harry's Razors is a new sponsor of the PDO cast. And, um, you know, uh, now that I'm going with a bit of a more uh, clean, professional look in the hopes that uh, all the execs at TV, uh, at Sportsnet will take notice and get me on TV a little bit more often, uh, I need to make sure I'm taking care of my face and using the best products possible. And, you know, I'm getting into a routine that I can actually follow and sustain and, and, and do on a regular basis because shaving can be very annoying. And that's one of the perks of having a beard. Um <laughs> and and Harry's is perfect for that. Um, you know, their model is that they're basically a great shave at a fair price. And they're so confident in that, that, you know, they've already had 
three million some odd people sign up with them and they're confident that you're going to become one of those converts yourself so they're actually sending uh my listeners uh their shave set for free when they sign up at harrys.com slash pdo and that includes wow yeah yeah that includes a a weight ergonomic razor handle which comes in a couple different colors i'm actually personally using this uh silky smooth olive green but they have a uh an orange one and a blue one and whatever whatever your personal preference is uh five precision engineered blades with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade uh rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover and all you have to do to get that is cover the shipping costs then the starter kit's going to be your door for free so um that sounds like a pretty good deal to me i don't know what do you think about that nick that sounds pretty sweet and they've got a bunch i know they've got a bunch of skin skincare products so mm, they do. if you want your skin to look just baby soft there like my go. man Dimitri. Yes, um, <laughs> you, you might want to look into some of this, some of this stuff from Harry's. So. Um, so yeah, to get in on that action and get your free trial offer from Harry's today, all you have to do is go to Harry's.com/pdo, sign up, and they're going to send you all the goods. That's Harry's.com/pdo. And now, Nick, let's uh, let's get into this top ten. I love how um, we're thirty-five minutes into the show. And it's it's being dubbed as the uh, as the top ten goalie rankings. And thirty-five minutes in, we're about to get into the top ten, baby. Perfect. Um, so number ten here, I had Devin Dubnik. Ooh, wow! Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Okay, this is good. Now that now I'm now I'm intrigued mm. on what's next. So I don't have Devin Devin Dubnik anywhere near it. Um, I have Devin Dubnik like ranked like seventeenth. Oh man, you're a Devin Dubnik hater, huh? I am. I am. Yeah, it's see this is this is the trick here. Um I think he's on his way down. That's all that's that's yeah, I just that's think fair. he's on the other side. That's all. Yeah. I mean what happened with him towards the end of last year was disappointing to say the least, because I thought that wild team was actually very good and mm-hmm. he really kind of spiraled downwards there as the year went along and into the playoffs and that's become a bit of a trend with him over his career. But it's it, it, see this is the when we talk about sort of the numbers versus the subjective stuff, and there is there is a bit of a sort of a, a gut analytics here, as Mike Babcock would call it, where it's like a, a gut feel <laughs> and sort of what you're comfortable with and what you're seeing with your eyes. And I completely agree. Like, I understand why Devin Dubnik gives people uh, pause and people haven't bought into him throughout his career. But the numbers have been so good that I just felt like it would have been disingenuous not to have him on this list. I don't know. Like... So according to my numbers, he's not been as good, mm-hmm. but he's had his ups and he's, but he's also had his downs. So right. it's kind of, you know, it's kind of what, going back to what we were talking about earlier. We, we've got guys that have inconsistent performance. His inconsistent performance just so happens to be of the longer stretch variety. Um, boy, when he gets hot, he's really, really hot. Um, but he, he, I don't know if it's, I don't know, if, I guess maybe at this point we could start calling it fatigue, but he really does have a, a, a knack for blowing it down the stretch, um, which is a tough thing for teams that are all kind of vying for, for playoff spots. Here's my big thing with Devin Dubnik. He's 31. Right. Um, a lot of people still think that he's, you know, kind of this like up and coming guy. He is not. He's gone through. He's played a lot. Uh, he's had a lot of ex- experience in the league, ups and downs, and everything else. And he's 31. And what we know about goalies is that if 26 through 29 is their prime, and I think more people are settling on that. That's always been my, 
you know, my range from, from what I've looked at. Right. 26 to 29 is the prime. 30 is when the decline should start for, for most kind of normal goalies. Um, so we're already another year past that. He's logged some miles. He'll continue to log miles. I think that the uh, uh, just more of a breakdown is imminent, and we're probably going to see the type of decline that you see with like the like. Well, we were just talking about Tuka Rask, where no, he's not going to crush you. Um, if he's in your net, you'll be like, okay, this is a starting NHL goalie. But I, I just don't think that he's. Um, I, I don't think he's going to put up anything better than maybe a top fifteen performance. You make good points, and now I really wish I had John Gibson there instead, so that we didn't have to go through this whole thing. <laughs> well, Gibson's more exciting, so yes, I, I yes, applaud sure. your your uh, I don't know going out on a limb. I think with with Dubnik as opposed to like oh the exciting guy because you know half of the rankings outside of our rankings have like Murray as like the number one goalie in the NHL. So well, just wait till um, we get to my uh, top three, which is Eunice Corpusalo, oh, uh, UC Soros, and uh, <laughs> and Connor Halibut. So, uh, oh, okay. I see, I had my new blood ranking, mm. and I, I those are those three guys are in there. Corpusalo is my number one. Yes, and uh, Vasilevsky is my my number two. Soros is my number three. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. I like anyways, um, so. You want to hear my number 10? Yes, go for it. Or do you want to keep going through yours? No, let's go. Let's do yours. Okay. Give me your 10 so and my, give me your 9 as well. Okay. My number 10 is Marc-Andre Fleury. Mm-hmm. My number 9 is Matt Murray. Did you do that just for uh, convenient <laughs> narrative storyline purposes? No, I was... I, I, I knew... Obviously, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> no, I, I... So I went... I went kind of back and forth with having Murray. I knew he was going to be in my top 10, but I just don't have the confidence to have him very high in the top 10 like a lot of other people. Yes, he won two Stanley Cups, but he only played portions of of getting the team there and the team last year rode flurry most of, you know, a lot of the way and then I think just played better hockey in front of Murray. Um I think Murray has great peripherals. I think he's going to become an elite goaltender. I really do. I just don't think he's there yet. There are some massive holes in his game. I've talked about him at length, you know, his issues with his glove side. Um, some of his issues with sealing off posts. He gets beat a lot from, you know, plays developing behind the net and kind of coming around the front. Um, he'll lose his post. Those are things like a young goalie has to get through those, and he's still very young. You know, this is a guy who he's already starting and he's already won two Stanley Cups at a very young age. So there's time for him to become that elite goalie. I don't think we need to put him there yet. I think it's very fair to have him at nine. Yeah, I mean, I have him at eight, so I'm right there with you. I I definitely agree that that might might not be common. I I feel like people would generally have him higher because of all the success he's found so far. Um, I'm right there with you i mean he still has under 100 nhl starts even if you include his playoff runs so there's definitely more to prove there and and to um for him to mature as a goalie and i think he's going to do it i mean he's clearly on the right path so yes uh, yeah. if we do this list again next year as his annual tradition i think that he could very well be in that yeah, top he, five range yeah or he might be eight or nine again yeah. you know and because just because he's so young he's got to work through this stuff and you need games any goalie any goalie coach will tell you you need games and you need reps to 
to to work through it. And as long as he's getting good goaltending coaching, you know, which I, I don't know, he's had his struggles this year and Bells isn't there anymore. Bells, I think, just is a phenomenal goalie coach. But, um, you know, if, if, if he identifies where his weaknesses are and he gets the reps and he kind of works it into his muscle memory through playing time, um, he'll get better and better. And he, he's certainly on one of those trajectories to just be an absolutely elite goalie for a really long time. And those guys are rare. So, um, you know, I think ranking him at eight or nine right now is fair. Yeah. He's going to, I think he's going to get there. You know, he's going to get to that top five. Yeah. And you know, with Marc-Andre Fleury, um, best wishes to him in recovering from this latest head injury and hopefully, uh, he's back on the ice because his early season performance was pretty, pretty badass. I mean, and yeah. honestly, and, and what he did last year in the playoffs, I mean, I feel like people forget that he was the person that beat the, beat the capitals, which was uh, yeah, he, and pretty he, much like the main that, well, he definitely was the main reason why, like without him playing the way he did. Um, I wonder how different, uh, our thoughts on men, on a bunch of different players would be right now because the capitals very well could oh be my champions, right? Like, so it's, I think, I think the whole complexion of the Capitals roster might be different. You know, I think a lot of dominoes fell because Fleury performed so well in that series. And, and I think really kind of won that, or at least catapulted, catapulted them towards winning, um, through his performance. Fleury is just, he just doesn't get respect. And part of it is because he has had, he had in, in, in his past a bout of bad playoff performances small samples. He also has a, a huge long track record of really really consistent top 10 to top 15 goaltending performance and people just overlook it. Um maybe it's because he's surrounded by su- other superstars or whatever it is, but I mean the guy has just been a work workhorse his entire career and and he's consistent and that's a to me a big deal and something that's underrated. We've talked about the high ceiling low floor guys this is a guy who has you know a mildly high ceiling but he's all you know he never is in the basement and um or very rarely so um that's that's something that i value and that's why i have him in my top 10 yes and this obviously doesn't factor into the rankings and i don't want to be one of those guys that's talking about all these random intangibles and stuff that we can't actually quantify or prove but just as an as an anecdote or a side note i guess he uh the way he handled everything this summer with the expansion stuff and it was just he's no, he's yeah, one of my favorite yeah. people in the league um oh just, easily yeah and and has great facial hair in my opinion <laughs> yes <laughs> uh very unique um I, I bet he uses harry's to uh to make sure it's uh looking looking crisp um okay before we before we move move past here can we just can we just put john gibson at 10 on my list and bump devin dunick out of it like it's actually nagging at me right now and i feel dirty and i, I can't go on it. until we do it okay I, i'll accept it um so we went through your 10 and 9 so my 9 was cam talbot um okay. which this might be the wrong time like if we were having this discussion a week ago or 10 days ago um it would look better obviously he's really struggled early this season but I think he'll bounce back. I mean, I definitely think that he should not be starting 70-plus regular season games and then another 20 playoff games. That just seems like malpractice on the Oilers' part. Yeah, that's just asking for, for trouble. Talbot's great. I, I You know, we'll, we'll get to him on my list, but um, I, I think he'll be fine. Uh, you know, goalies go through. Look, <laughs> how many games he played? Four? Yeah. You know, so... People flip out over early season results, and everybody's got to remember. And I think any NHL player who gives an honest answer, which you know, 
quite a few don't, but players that give an honest answer will tell you that the first 10 games of the season is still preseason. They're still feeling things out. They're still getting used to their lines. Goalies are still, you know, working on things in some cases, or they're just getting back into um, game condition. Uh, You know, these guys, yes, they do work year round and they're, they're constantly doing whatever they're doing, but it's a lot different for a goalie when he's working on reps, you know, on practice ice with some shooters to getting in, in games and, you know, having your, your defense absolutely blow up in front of you like the Oilers have had lately. So, um, yeah, Talbot's Talbot's going to be all right. I think he's going to be more than all right. I think he's going to be, uh, well, you know, we'll talk about my where I have him, but uh, I think he's going to be exceptional. I thought you were going to spoil it there. I was going to be like, how all right no. do you think he's going to be? Do you think he's going to be the fourth best goalie in the league all right or the seventh best? There? <laughs> we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, so, so I had Matt Murray eight, and we just discussed him, obviously. Who was your eighth guy? Uh, that was, uh, it was Gibson. Oh, that's right. So Gibson eight, yep. we've already talked uh, my 10th goalie, obviously. I mean, we've talked about my 10th goalie, John Gibson quite a bit so far. Um, <laughs> who is your, who do you have at seven? Freddie Anderson. Whoa. Now see, I didn't even consider Fred, like I didn't even let the, have him on my honorable mention list. That's how, uh, so on, on your page I was with Fred Anderson. So I, I kind of slipped something in with flurry about how much I value consistency. Mm-hmm. And that comes out in that um, in in the the stats, I've mentioned these stats before: win threshold and loss threshold. Loss threshold is just measuring how often a goalie is absolutely killing you, right. meaning they're essentially losing you the game. Yes. And Freddie Anderson shows incredibly well in that stat. And he he, I know last year he had those early season struggles. I chalk that entirely up to, you know, the narrative that eventually came out, which was that. He he was trying to be more aggressive, probably at the behest of Babcock, who likes aggressive goalies, and he just got way off his game. Anderson is a very conservative goalie. You know, next to Lundqvist, one of the mo- more conservative goalies in the NHL. He's not big, so sometimes you look at him and you don't see an imposing goaltender by any means. But the performance is there, night in and night out. It's consistent. It's never elite, but it's almost always pretty darn good um he he has what you know some people call a quiet game where he makes things he doesn't make a lot of crazy dramatic saves he makes things kind of look easy and so i think he you know his performance sometimes gets overlooked in that regard um shows well in manny's war stat Mm -hmm. uh, and shows well in my stats um, which help you know, kind of my, my narrative on him. So, so if you were, let's say we're doing a, a draft of sorts and just for this year, you were trying to win the Stanley cup. You are saying you would have, you would, it, you would pick Freddie Anderson seventh. Yeah, I think I would. Yeah. Huh. And I, and I like his contract. Right. But which, which we're not factoring into this. I, I know. Right? Yeah. I know. But but yeah, I would. I I would have him. It's not an exciting pick, but mm. I I would feel pretty good putting him out there every single night. I like a goalie that I know where I know what I'm going to get, and that's what he's been his entire career, aside from that one blip early in the season last last year with Toronto. He has just been very very steady and consistent um, with the Ducks as well. And and I think that the the. The fact that the Ducks gave him more of the net 
than Gibson. They basically stole the net from Hiller when and Hiller was playing great that season. And then he didn't relinquish it for Gibson, um, even though Gibson was clearly the heir apparent. I think that speaks volumes to just a guy where it's like you can't get him out of the net because every time you put him in the net, he plays pretty darn well. So it's like, what do you, you know, no, he's not pitching shutouts every game, but um, he's getting the job done. And that for a lot of coaching staffs, that's very, very valuable. Um, not sexy, yeah. um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm not here for, for, uh, not here for sexy? sexy picks. No, no. Well, sometimes. Uh, well, your, uh, your facial hair guided by Harry's razors <laughs> begs, begs to differ. Um, yeah, no, he's definitely consistent. I mean, he's basically been hovering like slightly above league average pretty much for his entire career. And I, 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 I agree. He has those, every goal he's going to have their swings and performance. He seems to limit them quite a bit. Um, I just and then when we're gonna get to my next couple guys, I mean, they're the reason why I have them that high is because they do have that consistency, and I would rely on them to be my number one goalie. But I don't sure. know with Freddie Anderson, it just it seems a bit high for me. Well, to be well and here's another thing about Fre- Freddie Anderson: he's 28. He just turned 28, so he's right kind of smack in his prime. So if he's gonna have his best seasons, it's probably gonna be, you know what we saw towards the end of middle to end of last season where he was very, very good uh, in, in this season and maybe next season is, is really going to be his highest peak performance. So if up to that point, he's been slightly above average and now we're kind of in his prime, I think it's reasonable to expect that he can put up top 10 goalie numbers yeah. this year. And with him, it's a bit trickier to evaluate based on the numbers just because uh, while the Leafs are good and are scoring a ton of goals, they uh they're pretty bad defensively to say the yeah. least, right? So um, yeah, sometimes they're gonna leave them out, out out you know hanging a little bit. But uh, yeah, so I guess maybe maybe in that regard, he's the perfect goalie for that team where um they definitely have the talent up front and they just don't need they just want the goalie to be a, a bit of a steadying presence back there and he seems to be that. Yep. See, I have another Anderson at at seventh. You like that symmetry there? I do. Craig Anderson is my seventh goalie, Nick. Well, I uh, I don't have any inherent problem with him being in the top ten. I think seven's a little rich, though. Listen, I understand. Like, are, are you concerned <laughs> about the fact that he's thirty six? Yep. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't really seem to be showing any signs of that decline that right now, though, right? No, he. So yeah, he's kind of he's one of these guys who's just like destroying the aging curve because yeah, he's never it's been getting better. <laughs> Well, he's never been elite, but right. he's never, you know, he's never been, he, he's never really been terrible, but he did, you know, early in his career, he wasn't a great performer and he got kind of set, you know, steadily better and better. And now he's like, you know, it's almost like Tim Thomas where, uh, not to that degree, obviously in terms of his performance, but right. he's really hitting his, he's hit his prime in his mid to late thirties. Um, in terms of his peak performance, I think he probably had never really been better than the past three seasons. And, um, and he's, he's a guy who gets overlooked a lot, just like Freddie Anderson, actually, mm-hmm. um, has a, again, kind of a quiet, simple game. Um, but he makes the saves and he was great in the playoffs, uh, last year which you know raised the obviously i think raised the profile a little bit i i have him just outside the top 10 um you know yeah yeah, seven all right well it's a little rich but yeah no i mean and 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 he definitely um 
like last year, obviously there were extenuating circumstances for the, why he played only 40 games, yes. but he obviously did remarkably well in them. And that was awesome to see from him. And he looks really good so far this year and, and we'll see, but you know, it is a bit crazy to me that like Craig Custins does those, uh, annual, you know, goalie rankings or tiers every year where he talks to people around the game and it just reaffirmed what we were talking about, about him being undervalued and overlooked because I think NHL people, quote unquote, had him like 17th or 18th in the league, which definitely seemed way too low. I think. No, yeah. Even if you think seven's a bit too high, like I'd say definitely in that like 11 to 13 or so range. NHL people tend to go for sexy. (laughs) That's why you go for John Quick and, you know, they, they, I don't, it's crazy to me that the, that the people inside the game are, you know, swayed by the wow factor. Yeah. Um, more, more than maybe people outside the game. Yes. Well, listen, we both for seven, we went with uh, consistent, reliable guys named Anderson. They just happen to be different guys. So that's okay. Um, who do you have at uh, Who do you have at six before we get into his top five? Corey Crawford. See, I had Corey Crawford third. Wow. I'm I don't have a problem with that, huge though. Huge on Crawford. I, I love Crawford, too. I just... Um, I have uh, 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 well, so now I'll give away my my number five is Talbot, mm-hmm. and I was having this kind of like internal dilemma, like, am, do I want? I, I kind of want to have like one year where I get a Vezina candidate picked correctly, <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, Connor McDavid is great, and Edmonton's going places, and Talbot has been phenomenal, and he'll continue to be phenomenal, maybe he'll just kind of ride Connor McDavid to a Vezina, which of course a Vezina is just based on wins, right? Right. Pretty much. So, so I, I plugged, I, I moved Talbot one spot ahead of Crawford, but I, I could easily flip flop that and have Corey Crawford in my top five, um, easily. Um, and I have no problem with him being, you said number three. Yeah. I'm third. I have no problem with that. Really? Well, he's, you know, he's great. You know, what's funny with Crawford. Remember when, um, it was the year that they beat the Bruins in the cup final and there was all the stuff about how he was so beatable glove side or whatever. And then sure. they gave him the six year, $36 million extension and everyone's like, Oh my God, what a disaster. Like this is going to do in the Blackhawks. Uh-huh. And, uh, he, there's an argument to be made that he's been their best player or definitely the most valuable player they've had over the length of that contract so far. Um, oh yeah. Still has a couple of years left on it, obviously, but He's been remarkably good, and it is, uh, you know, you and I have discussed this on the show before, but it's one of those unforgiving things, sort of like with Marc-Andre Fleury, where when the Blackhawks win, it's Taves and Kane that are going to get all the the glory and all the love, but when they lose, it'll be, you know, Corey Crawford gave up some goals and, and let them down, and it's really sort of a, it's... It's a, sh- a bit of a shitty position, and a lot of goalies are in that way, where it's just, you sort of take it for granted, and you expect them to do a certain thing, and... Yep they're just expected to do it and if they don't do it then it's their fault why you lost and so i don't know i wanted to give crawford a bit of love and i had him third but uh i mean you yeah, have it's, six it's, it's totally fine it's not we're in that tier of goalies you know, it's kind of like it's it's funny because i and mean, look i mean this is nothing to diminish guys like price and lundquist and their what they've done in their careers and everything else but sometimes guys like that like like lundquist has been notoriously saddled with a bad defense price has been notoriously saddled with just a kind of a shit show of a team. And, you know, both guys have had sparkling careers in spite of it. So they get all of the notoriety for that because they're standouts on their team. They are the face of their team, right? 
they're the name that everybody associates with their team for the most part. Corey Crawford, because he's on this cup-winning team and he's kind of, you know, he's he's riding in the back seat to Taze and Kane and and you know all these other Duncan Keith and all these big names. You don't really, you know, you don't throw him into that category just by virtue of the fact that you don't think that the, a team like the Blackhawks even needs a great goalie. Um, but they have needed a great goalie, and like every team needs great goalie performances, and he's been that, and he's been consistently that. Um, I loved that stuff about him and his glove side because, yeah, he struggled, especially earlier in his career, on his glove side. But guess what? Like 95% of NHL goalies struggle on their glove side, and it gets magnified in the playoffs when a team starts picking it apart you know, every single game. He, you know, since then he's gotten better and better and better. Um, and you know, he's, he's going to start to decline here. I mean, he's getting older, but, uh, for now I, I put him right in that, you know, that upper echelon of top five or six. And I've had him there for, for the past three years. So, um, that's, that's kind of how, how I see him. Yeah. Um, so we did your six and then we did your five. You just spoiled it. Uh, my six mm-hmm. was Henrik Lundqvist. Wow. Okay. Do you think that's too high or too low? Well, I'll say this. I moved Lundqvist down in my rankings too. Hmm. But I moved him to fourth. Yeah. So so you moved him a little bit further than me and you moved him to sixth. I don't take a big issue with that. I think uh, we all have to kind of come to grips with the fact that, myself included, that, you know, guys get older and even the best get worse you know neither of us have mentioned luongo today no at all um so in luongo as recently as maybe a season ago was a a top 10-ish goalie Mm -hmm. so look these guys are are gonna eventually either they're gonna decline like tuka rask or they're gonna fall off a cliff i don't think lundquist is falling off a cliff i think that 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 narrative last year was way overblown um and down the stretch he played great um I think that he is is in decline though, and um, I think it's reasonable to say he's still a top ten goalie. But you know, the days of him just being otherworldly, number you know, best goalie in the world are probably probably over at this point. Yeah, yeah, it's it's concerning at the same time. I mean, he did show last year in the playoffs that he's, he can he's, he can still ramp it up a little bit, but maybe. Over the long haul, like he, he won't be able to do it as consistently as he did before. But I, you know, I believe the talent's still there, and I think that yeah, it's 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 yeah. It's, it's a bit too early to to bury him just yet. But I mean, well, in in the in the Rangers have been such a mess in in terms of almost everything, but it's, but mostly in the defensive zone. I mean, I think they're ranked like twenty ninth in terms of expected goals against right now. So they're not making it easy for. You know, for for a goalie in his late thirties to to come out and just know that you're just going to get dumped all over um, for for uh, sixty minutes. So yeah. that that's um, hopefully you know for my sake as a Rangers fan, they'll turn it around. But but boy, their team defense has been really sloppy, and it, it's just making life tough for Lundqvist. Yeah. And there's some things that I've noticed, like he he's he is starting to have some issues with tracking the puck. Um, and, you know, for the type of goal he is where he relies on his reaction time, it's, you know, you get older and you react a little slower. It's just that. Trust me. Trust me on this. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. 
yeah, you're young and spry, but you get older and you move a little slower. You know, you're not as quick. You don't recover as quick and all those things. And it will catch up with you. And for as conservative as he is, um, you know, it does, it is worrying. So, so, so how, what do we have left on your list? I feel like only the top three. Have we done your five and four? Yeah. So Talbot and and Lundquist were my five and four. Yeah. Um, I was going to get really controversial and put Talbot ahead of Lundquist, but I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. Mm. Yeah. I couldn't do it. I, uh, so here's my top, do I, I'll do give you my top five and then you can give me your top three and see if we disagree. Or agree. Um, so I have, I have Bobrovsky fifth. Wow. All right. Keep going. I don't know. This is gonna I, be I, don't want, I don't know. This is a controversial one, yet. but I have, uh, I have Corey Schneider fourth. Interesting. Uh, Corey Crawford third, as we said, and then I have uh-huh. Holtby and Price two on one. Okay, how do you feel about that? So I don't think Corey Schneider should be anywhere near the top ten or even the top twenty the, at this point. Whoa, okay, that 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 is Co- a bit bold. Corey Schneider, there's something wrong. Cor- Corey he's Schneider fine this either. Cor- uh, he does not look fine to me when I when I'm watching. He's him. not passing and, your eye test. Oh no 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 no! He there's something there's an injury thing going hmm. on with him, and I, I wish you know I wish I could talk to him or or you know have him talk about it. But there's something going on that's impacting his ability to recover, and it's really really sloppy. Um, and his performance last year was kind of a nightmare. So. Um, I, I think that you're seeing that they're going to use Kincaid a little bit more already. Um, and that's probably because they know that there's some wear and tear on Schneider. And he's another guy who, like Dubnik, is a little bit older than you think. Um, he's 31. I think he's 31 going on 32. Um, so I, I dropped him way down. It's like Steve Mason. They used to be two of my favorites, and I've just dropped them. Uh, way way down the ladder so that's a big that's that's one let's let's see how that plays out and then if if he if he ends up being like a top five goalie then you can uh we'll see this you is, can take your rightful pr- place as the uh, goalie guru you this know, is why to, uh you're the right guy to have on here because you know i've i've watched him this year but admittedly i don't really know what i'm watching like i'm watching to see if he's stopping the puck or not and he's he's bounced back a little bit not back to his full form but it looks like he's stopping the puck more frequently this year than he did last year so that's all i'm really looking at and seeing i'm not actually you know the the technique and potential injuries and stuff like that i'm not picking that up so that i guess that's that's why we have you on here that's why you're you're the hockey pedio cast goalie guru well what the the story i think the story for the past year has been every time they you try to get updates on what's going on it's always this He's got a lower body injury. He's going to miss, you know, four games or whatever. And they don't give any um, details, but it's all it's all around his, the the groins and hip, the groin and the hips. So um, those are the things. If you're if you're trying to analyze goalies and you're trying to figure out what's going to impact their performance, it, you look for groin and hip injuries, and that's the beginning of the end. And most goalies who get the groin and hip injuries, they just don't get they don't come back or, or not quite the same. Um, and knee would be the other one. Um, and we've, we've got, a, a another guy that we haven't mentioned, uh, yet in Carrie price, um, big body, bad knee. Um, it's not 
that that contract's not going to look pretty um, here in, in, in several years. But so what you're saying is, if you were running the Devils, you would hope to God that he's able to get over that enough to just string together a decent performance here, and then you trade him while you still can. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. That seems smart. Um. So yeah, that's the thing, right? Like the reason why the reason why I had him so high is. I'm betting on the track record, and obviously, if there's something fundamentally wrong with him, then you have to change that and change your expectations, of course. I didn't really factor that in. I was just more so thinking that last year was an aberration. He'd bounce back, and before that, he'd been the definition of consistent in that, at that position, so yeah. that's why I was valuing him, but I mean... Well, it's, and it's, it's an interesting thing. I think that goalies in hockey are maybe... They're like... 10 to 15 years behind pitchers in baseball where you know pitchers in baseball now it's like well the guy's got something wrong with his elbow so let's just get the tommy john surgery and get it over with and then he's going to come back better and they they figured out all those mechanical glitches that you know that create wear and tear and they they take care of them either medically or whatever it may be hockey is a different type of game we all know this you know, players play hurt right and they don't talk about it, and they don't, um, you know, they don't want to sit out games. They don't even want to miss a shift. And goalies are no different. Um, most goalies I know they hide groin injuries, they hide knee injuries, they hide hip pain, but it's severe. Any goalie I know has severe is just living with chronic pain related to just beating the hell out of their body in ways you're not supposed to. And so NHL goalies are no different. And I bet if you go around the league, every you know every single goalie of a certain age is going to say, "Yeah, I've got a bad groin." No, I'm not going to miss any games because of it. No, nobody really even knows the extent of it um, or the extent of the pain. Um, so, I, I, you know, I put Schneider in that category. Tuka Rask is like that. Bishop is like that. All these guys, a lot of them, they played through or they play and then they miss like four or five games and they come back and nobody really knows. You know, I, I think Schneider is that guy and, and it's groin and hip and it's just going to get worse. Yeah, that's fair. Um but so which were the, which of these guys should we uh should we talk about next? I guess we haven't really talked about Bobrovsky who I had just before Schneider and then we've talked about Crawford and then Holty Price are were the pretty clear one too for me. Fair enough. So I had um we talked about uh Talbot and Lundquist. I had Holpe at three, mm. Price at two, and Bobrovsky at one. Bobrovsky, he's back on the force. Um yeah. I mean, listen, he's uh <laughs> he was insanely good last year i mean he really he won the vesna the the jack adams the heart i mean he was really he was the best coach the best player the most valuable player he did it all and he has looked even better this year so uh yep i mean i want i want more than anything honestly just for him to have a badass postseason so that we can put that narrative that he can't do it in the playoffs to rest right yeah that that was i mean that was obviously rough for his rep but you know, it, look, he was extraordinary last year, and um, he—he's another guy who he's probably made some adjustments, but most of it's really been health for him. And in the past, I've always had him kind of hovering in the top ten, but not sure where exactly to put him. And I've—I've I've always pointed out, like, look, he could be what he was several seasons ago, but I don't expect him to be because. I, I have concerns about health, and I have concerns about him kind of doing things like he, he had this tendency to overplay shooters and take himself out of position, almost like Pavlich. 
Um, he's gotten way away from that. He's so clean now. It's it's almost like watching Carey Price in terms of you know how he spots up shots and how he attacks a shooter. He's gone from so, he's gone from Pavlich to Price. That's uh. I, well, it's in in Price went through that kind of dramatic change in his own game as well. Um, Price was was pretty wild, and then kind of learned how to bear down on shots and um, and and come out to meet shooters better um, and use his his frame to his advantage. And most of it came out of changing his stance. Um, and and Bobrovsky, I, I wouldn't, I, w- I definitely wouldn't say he's changed his stance. I don't think he has, but he's gotten a little bit more control over his game, and he's so. Boy, I mean, you just can't beat him on the first shot. It's just not possible um, most of the time. And he's right in that age prime. Um, you know, he had good health last year, and everything was working for him. And so far this year, it's been more the same. So um, I, I see no reason for that to stop. I think he's he's the odds-on kind of top guy now um, with what I said before about price, which is, I think we're going to start to see a little bit of his decline uh, coming. Hmm. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. I have price at number two, so it's not like. Right. Yeah, you know. that's fair. I, uh, yeah. And then Holtby, I mean, there's not that much to say. It, it's his performance last postseason was bizarre, but uh, we'll give him a free pass based on how yeah. remarkably good he's been at every other step of the way. Yeah. Holtby, I, I hate to compare him to Steve Mason, but might as well. A little bit of the. You know, I don't know, not not a head case, but kind of got him, got inside himself a little bit in the playoffs, and we saw it unravel. Hmm. <laughs> you know, and um, so maybe that's, uh, uh, I guess, a little bit of an Achilles heel. But at the same time, he's he's also known to be a great competitor. So yeah, um, I think as as much as that could have been the issue in the playoffs, um, you know, he he has the ability to really really turn it on and. He's another guy. He's right in his age prime. You know, he's had a, a couple really, really good seasons under his belt. Um, not Vezina worthy, even though he won it. Um, but uh, so you know, he's he's right in that mix, and I, I would have no problem with him being number one or number two or number three. Yeah, cool, um, man. I think we did it. Um, we did. Yeah, I feel pretty good about it, especially now that I have John Gibson in my side, inside my top ten. Can I ask you one question? Yeah, go for it. Who do you think? Okay, knowing what we know, mm-hmm. which is how the Vezina voting works, right? Who do you think will win the Vezina this season? Oh, that's a good question. So this is what's going to happen. Who's going to be the best goalie? Right, it's going to be a goalie who wins a lot of games, and it's going to be not necessarily someone out of nowhere, but it's going to be like yes. a trendy pick, right? It's not going to be Bobrovsky yep. again unless he has like a nine forty save percentage, right? Um. So it's so sad that that's that really is the criteria. It is. Yeah, it's like we're not talking about who we think is going to be the best goalie. We're trying to get inside it's the like mind. The guy of a where bunch everybody's of, like, "Oh, holy shit! Wow, this guy was great, and yeah. he won a ton of games." Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think here. Like, do you think uh, Freddie Anderson maybe? Ooh, I, I mean the Leafs are six and one. Like, what if he? Uh, what if he wins like a bunch of games? What if he wins like forty games? And I think what's going to work against him is that he doesn't have that wow factor. You know, of like he's not going to get a ton of shutouts. He's 
He's not gonna. They're gonna win games on the strength of their offense. Yep. And he's gonna do. He's gonna play his role to keep keep things from you know turning into six five track meets. So in that respect, he's gonna be very very solid. I I wouldn't be surprised if he got consideration if they won a, a ton of games. Hmm. But um, I don't think he'll be able to win it because I just don't think. I think the league wide rep will be like ah he's that's just Freddie Anderson. Right. Okay. Well, what about John Gibson? <laughs> I think Gibson would be a great pick. And Andre Vasilevsky, because I think the Lightning are going to win a lot of games. And yeah. if he can, he, he can keep it together, he could get some love. I could see that, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I actually, my my two were uh, Talbot and Vasilevsky. Mm. So um, I think we're on the same page there. Yes. All right, Nick, well, uh, what are you up to these days? Uh, I know fatherhood's kind of taken a, a lot a lot of your uh, time to go on online off the off your plate, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm just trying to um, you know get uh, 2035 draft eligible Sam Mercadante um, into <laughs> skates. You know he's uh, he's two months old, so um, he hasn't yet worn shoes, but we'll uh, we'll fashion him some skates here for for the winter pretty soon. Sure um, beyond that, no, I've I've been uh, I've been doing my normal stuff on Twitter. Um, at nmercad and m-e-r-c-a-d i still am if i like to say affiliated with hockey graphs right um and uh and that's that's about it other than that i i just like spending time with you on mm. the hockey pdo cast and we love having you and um i'm sure we'll have you on many more times this season as the year gets going so nick uh it's good chatting with you and we'll, and we'll talk soon thanks the hockey pdo cast with dimitri filipovich Follow on Twitter at Dim Filipovich and on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash hockey PDOcast. Hey.